Greetings, mortals. Welcome to Fatal Fortunes. I'm Al. I'm Will. Join us for a deep dive into some of history's most fascinating characters who live dangerously beautiful lives and whose legacies haunt us today. Hi, guys. So we haven't done anything like this on Fatal Fortunes yet, but 50 million people around the world have watched the Harry and Meghan interview, and we just can't stop thinking about it, talking about it, drooling over it. So we wanted to just bring you guys a special episode, you know, maybe start this as a thing of doing discussions about things that are like just kind of crazy, not necessarily fatal. And yeah, Will, what are your general thoughts on the interview? Wow. Well, it was it was riveting. I, I told my friends and coworkers that word like riveting because it was so engaging and I originally I wasn't gonna watch the full episode because I was kind of tired and had a stressful week on Sunday night or up to Sunday night and I was like okay I'm just gonna watch 30 minutes of it and then I ended up watching the whole like almost two hour thing because it was just so like juicy and good but also you know I think we finally got to see the true Harry and Meghan because for so long we've been fed these stories that have been based on lies or salacious rumors or even, you know, sexism and racism that affected Meghan. And, you know, honestly, like I, I feel like I did buy into some of the, the conversations that were talked about them, like, you know, how they were kind of, you know, using the royal privileges to kind of, you know, make their own career in Hollywood. Because, you know, honestly, on the out on the outside looking in, it kind of looks like that when all the press is so negative and you don't hear their side of the story. So I feel like it's it's great that we finally got to hear their side of the story. And it was amazing to hear that. And no other person could have done it besides Oprah. I'm so glad Oprah did it. <laughs> I know me and my mom, we were like clutching each other the whole time. We kept going like, can you, can you even believe that? Oh, but, oh my God. So that's what it was like. And I just felt like Oprah was all of us during the show, like the broadcast, you could see her just like sinking further and further and further into the chair. Like, oh my God. And I was like, that's us. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I loved her reactions when she would just be like, What? I love how it was a scenic interview in a Montecito estate backyard. <laughs> I hate that it wasn't their backyard. Yeah. It's probably for like privacy concerns. They can only show the chicken coop. Well, we don't want to be here forever because we could go on forever. So our first discussion point is who asked how dark the baby would be? I want your top three guesses. I think my number one, which I think everyone is thinking is Charles and then... I think number two, I think it might be Camilla. And then number three, I feel like, I don't know, Andrew maybe. I, I really feel like it was like Charles and Camilla were like there next to each other. And one of them said it like, that's just my intuition. But I, I could, you know, I could totally be wrong. What about you? My intuition is first, I thought it was Princess Michael of Kent. After she wore like the Blackamore brooch to Christmas lunch, and it was the first time she'd ever worn that brooch, and it was the first time Megan had ever come to Christmas lunch. 
So I feel like mm. she's the type to say, how dark is the quadroon going to be? And as a quadroon, I'm like, guys, look at look <laughs> at my immaculate skin. I don't, I'm not that dark. I'll admit it. The baby wasn't going to be that dark. I know, right? Like, like how rude. I know. It's so rude. And, and it really like that, that was really the biggest bombshell that people are still talking about. I mean, people are talking about the other stuff as well, but I think that's one that the Royal family really has to sort of confront. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's really damaging um, to not only like the people of color in the UK, but also in the Commonwealth nations, you know, there's so many Commonwealth nations where largely people of color and to hear that they're, monarch <laughs> reigning monarch um to hear that the family and potentially the new king could be racist is, is really damaging personally for me it feels not charles's mo because i also think that a lot of lefty white people like they don't think that they're racist and then they say stuff like that yeah so do we think that the racism between megan and archie is just going to go on forever do we think that they're ever going to be let back in the family do we think that they're exiled straight wallace simpson and edward the eighth style yeah i don't know i mean i think i would like to think that they could have some role in the royal family which is why i feel like they should have been able to do what they wanted to do was you know just sort of participate in royal affairs but only to like a lesser extent which makes sense because you know harry was never going to be king um so it makes sense for him to you know just want to kind of do things at a lesser level and i i, I mean i have faith that <laughs> they'll be in the family some way i don't think they're going to be totally xed out i mean it could be i don't know i mean I do think that him and William, you know, they have that sort of strong, unspeakable bond when they were both grieving the death of their mother, Diana. Um, but as we've learned, they haven't talked yet post-interview as of yesterday. I know. Yeah, no, I think it's going to take some time. I don't think it's going to be immediate. I don't know. And speaking but. of William, I'm kind of like, William... Your speech at the BAFTAs in 2020 where you said we need to call out and recognize racism and then your tweets about how we need to call out and recognize racism when we see it about soccer feel really half-assed if the only black person in your family, you can't stand up for them. Yeah. Like, practice what you're trying to preach, William. If you want to see change, be the change. Or like Harry said in the interview, do we think William is trapped? When Yeah, when Harry was talking about the trapping, I... I feel like it was sort of metaphorical in the sense that it's like, it's kind of just the whole, like everything, you know, the whole monarchy, the system, the secretaries that are advising people, the communications department, the people that are above him, you know, in his own family that are dictating what he can do. You know, it's like he has a lack of control, lack of autonomy, um, not to, but, you know, and I like how Oprah, you know, sort of called out that Harry, you know, has lived such a privileged life and, you know, has access to really anything in the world that he he wants, except, you know, the access to sitting down with his family right now. Um, but 
you can still feel. Then we wanted to move on and talk about the media and public hypocrisy in regards to Meghan Markle. Let's start with Piers Morgan quitting Good Morning Britain, the walk off. I know I saw that. Oh, when he walked off, I'm like, did he really quit? Or do you think he was fired? I kind of feel like maybe they fired him, but. I don't know either because first of all, I saw in the headlines today that there's a petition with 200,000 signatures to get him back on the show and that they've lost 80,000 viewers since he left a couple days ago. But everything that the weatherman had to say to him was correct. I bet 6.30 to 7 o'clock the previous day was hard to watch because it was just Pierce Morgan being a petulant twat. He was probably just sitting there dragging someone who he hasn't seen in four years because he got rejected. That's probably never happened to him before. Yeah, I definitely think he was holding on to that grudge of that one time. And if you guys don't know, um, Meghan Markle and Piers Morgan, who you know from America's Got Talent and Britain's Got Talent, and now, you know, he he was recently on Good Morning Britain, but they had dinner one night, and that was apparently the night that she met Princess Harry, and, or not Princess, <laughs> Prince Harry. And uh, after that, Meghan just kind of, you know, didn't really reach out to peers, which I don't really know why she would need to, but. And also we only heard Pierce's side of the story. I bet he showed up. They were hanging out. He was a creep trying to hit on her, knowing full well, she was about to go on a date. Mm -hmm. And then she met a nice guy and then never talked to this one again. Like it happens. Yeah. It just reminds me of that guy who like got rejected by a girl and then just would like, try to expose her or try to bring up all these nasty rumors about her. And that, you know, that's what kind of Piers Morgan did. He fed, he led a huge charge in the media against Meghan Markle from day one. Um, and, you know, said some pretty racist stuff about her as well. And it's just speaking of like Sharon Osbourne, she was saying point to something racist. He's done point to it. And it's like racism isn't necessarily just like straight up calling someone the N-word. And it's not necessarily just like waving the Confederate flag. It can be way more nuanced than that. And mm -hmm. it can be way harder to point to. But it's just a pattern of Pierce's behavior has shown that he does not like this black woman. And he doesn't like her because of the one experience they had together. And he's using this and weaponizing this against her when he would never do that to a white woman. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the, this whole fiasco recently, it, it kind of remind it makes me think, like, back when Diana was going through all of this, do we, do we think that the people that are, that were so supportive and gung-ho and loving of Diana, do you think that those same people are also supportive of Megan? Or do you think that there's, it's more complex than that? I think it's more complex than that, because I have right. seen some articles in like the sun and the daily mail, the trashy newspapers where they're like, former friend of Diana says she'd be so disappointed in them. Oh yeah. And then it's like, what friend <laughs> who is this? Cause you know, I mean, we all know that Diana would be so supportive of Megan and, and Harry and, and supportive in their decision to leave as well. I don't think she would have left him $30 million if she didn't know that he would need it to get away from them someday. The avocado toast. <laughs> who, to who, who told Megan about the avocado toast story? And if you don't know what this is, so basically 
when Kate married into the family back in 2011, I woke up at 5.30 in the morning to watch that. Basically, she brought avocados to the royal family. And everyone said, oh my God, look at how healthy the omega-3s. Oh my God, the protein, the fiber. And then Megan, California girl on the TIG, posts about her avocado toast and they say, link to genocide. It's so environmentally unsound for her to have an avocado you know it wastes so much water and that's what i really loved about the oprah interview is how they use these headlines that you may or may not have seen but they show the hypocrisy between the media coverage between Meghan markle and kate middleton and you can totally see how there's a total shift in how they were covered it's really telling about how the british press is racist and very one-sided at times and xenophobic i almost feel like had megan been a black brit the narrative might have been slightly different i'm not saying that it wouldn't have been there but i feel like part of it is the xenophobia for americans and branching off of that same difference in coverage you were speaking of uh the flower girl thing i had lived in my mind that kate had cried about the flower girl thing and about these damn tights I, I even thought I read it in the Omid Scobie book, Finding Freedom. But apparently that's the, that's switched. Why couldn't a tweet have just solved that? Yeah, and, and I think the whole Flower Girl story about, you know, the uh, the allegations that at first that Megan made Kate cry. But then in the interview, Me- Megan reveals that it was Kate the one who made her cry about the Flower Girl dresses on the day of her wedding. And yeah, it is suspicious that, you know, it didn't, emerge until like six months after the wedding or something and it was reversed um but i mean i don't know do you think like the palace would have like orchestrated that or do you think maybe it was just someone in the family or what i had heard at the time when it first dropped was that carol middleton is the one that had dropped it and like from her is where the information came from and then the woman who first broke the article, she's like, I totally disagree that you all think that I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Even though like she's like on a talk show and they're calling her out. They're like, but they just categorically denied it and said it was opposite. And she's like, I disagree. I heard from great sources. They were like, the people involved are telling you. Mm. She's like, disagree can't. Samantha Markle sucks. Anything that they asked about her family made me so sad. I can't believe that her father, after the interview, he went on another talk show that following morning and he said, uh, He's put himself in this place. So I'm glad that he can at least recognize that he has dug himself into this hole of never meeting his grandchildren, not having a relationship with his daughter. And that he also said, I will not stop going on talk shows until they reach out to me. Which, why would I reach out to you if you're doing that? You're just going to say what we reached out about. I feel really bad for Megan about that. And, you know, I don't know all the dynamics and intricacies of her family, but... I I do think it's hard when you have these family members of yours who are kind of estranged, who are trying to just kind of make money off of you by trashing you. And also I think that sort of led into some of the negative press about Megan and also kind of the negative perception, you know, because traditionally in Royal families, you know, the families are of nobility and there aren't these, you know, sort of all these divides and stuff. There may be, you know, secretly, but not so publicly. publicly. So I think people didn't like that, you know, this 
sort of family was getting into the royal family, but it's not Megan's fault. It's her sucky dad <laughs> and stepsister's fault. So let's get into Archie's title. I was furious when they showed me the baby for the first time and they said, yeah, just Master Archie. That's it. Because I'm sitting here like first black member of the British royal family in millennia. And I don't get to call him Prince Archie. Are you kidding? So now that we know this wasn't their decision, flabbergasted. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was a little confused about this at first because I thought like, okay, well, Prince Harry isn't the brother of the king yet. And he's not the son of the king yet. But, um, but, but I think what people have been saying is that Archie deserves that title when he is in that correct royal position. Is that correct? Yes. So according to George V letters patent of 1917, he he wanted to slim down the royal family. This is also a similar time as to when he was changing the royal family's name from Saxe-Coburg-Gotha to Windsor. He said that only people that can be, he like eliminates the title of highness. So you could have that title before this. And then he also makes it so that only the children of the monarch can be princes or princesses. The male line grandsons of the monarch can be princes or princesses. And then the oldest grandchild of the Prince of Wales. So George can be prince or princess. Then the queen, she in, I don't know, the early 2010s made it so that Charlotte and Louis could also be princes and princesses, even though they're great grandchildren of the monarch who are not in the direct line. So when Charles becomes king, Archie should by law be a prince. But the thing is, is there's now a precedent for just ignoring the law because Edward and Sophie, the Earl and Countess of Wessex, who are the queen's youngest children, their children, so the queen's grandchildren, are just lady and viscount, mm. not prince and princess. And they said that they plan to allow them to choose if they want to be princes or princesses when they're 18. Cool. Got it. They twisted Megan's words into that. He should be a prince right now. But she was literally said, like, when Charles is king is how she started the sentence. And I think Megan and Harry, they were really most concerned about sort of the protections that Archie would get. Because, you know, being the first um, person of color to be in this family, you know, I think it only makes sense for him to have some royal protections you know it only makes sense anyone who is connected to diana in any way needs a bodyguard yeah and why does prince andrew still get royal protection that doesn't make sense to me you know i'm almost disappointed oprah didn't bring it up yeah because they did speak of andrew in like the sense of they went to royal lodge and that's when she met the queen for the first time but mm. yeah and people are even calling for them to lose Duke and Duchess of Sussex titles. I'm like, shut up. Unless they take Andrew's titles too, I don't want to hear it. I don't. No, yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, there was that tweet that, like, instead of Megan being interviewed, it should be Andrew being interviewed by... The FBI. <laughs> the FBI. <laughs> 
Hi, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Fatal Fortunes and helping us get the word out about the podcast. If you want to help us further, you can subscribe to us on Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, shoutouts, stickers, exclusives, and more. For just $3 a month, you can listen to episodes of Fatal Fortunes before nobody else can and get exclusive content that you won't see here. Go take a look over at patreon.com slash fatalfortunespodcast. All one word. Again, that's patreon.com slash fatalfortunespodcast. slash fatalfortunespodcast. So Megan, she's the patron of a mental health charity, and this was a really another big revelation that she was being denied mental health resources while she was in the palace. While they were still the fab four, they had all collaborated on this charity called heads together about like doing mental health, like hotlines. And Megan said that she sent emails and has letters saying like, I need help. I need to go somewhere to like Switzerland. I do not want to be alive anymore. And they said, sucks. This kind of happens to all of us. And I can't believe that as the head of, like, as a family who advocates for mental health charities, they have no idea how to actually handle mental health. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen this before. We've seen the mental health struggles with Margaret, with Diana, with a bunch of others in the royal Harry family. Harry and William themselves, they've both talked about being in therapy. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I guess, I don't think this was clarified, and I think people are wondering, but, like, was Megan able to see a therapist in, while she was in there? Yeah. But she felt like she kind of needed a little bit of a break, I think. I think that's what it was, right? She needs to, like, go yeah. somewhere, and, yeah. Because I can imagine, like we said, a gilded prison could be quite suffocating, especially when you're pregnant for the first time, going through a whole bunch of crazy mm. hormonal changes. Yeah, and it could be possible that the therapists that they have are sort of like primed on what they can say and they might you yeah. know, try to guide them like kind of like a hypnotist in a way, like in a specific direction. I don't know. That's just a thought I've kind of had. <laughs> um, but, you know, sometimes you need that extra separation from the toxic place that you're in you know toxic place i mean physically you know you need to go away you need to have a break and yeah i think it would have been good for her and they they should have let her go i think they were more nervous about all the stories we like why she had a rehab facility in switzerland why she had a day spa and i feel like that's a common cause or i feel like that's a common theme within the british royal family is that they're more concerned about the perception than the actual people in their family and their own livelihood. What do we think they're going to name this baby, this baby girl? I feel like Diana has got to be at the top of the list. And if I'm putting my money on any name, it's got to be Diana. I think, I think they might do Diana's middle name, Francis. I think that could be interesting. I like that name. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think Diana would be a cool name, but it is a lot to sort of live up to. And I don't know if that would be the right choice, you know, because it's like there's all that pressure and attention. And I don't know. It, it feels a little risky for me. I don't know. but Yeah, that's true. It's kind of like how Princess Charlotte's middle name is Diana, but her first name is something random. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I heard a really funny theory that uh, they were going to make the baby girl's name Wella so that they would have Arch Wella. <laughs> I don't think they're going to do that, but that's kind of funny. So one thing I really loved about the interview was that moment when Harry, Harry and Megan reveal that it's a girl. Megan's like, go ahead, tell her. And then Harry's like, it's a girl. And then Oprah's like, ah! And then Harry does this really cute thing which you guys should look at. <laughs> he goes like, yeah! Like, he does a little like, yeah! Like, it's it's so cute. And then Oprah's like, you're going to have a daughter. And I just, in like the worst British accent, but. <laughs> Oprah is all of us. That's us. That's all of us. So let's talk about Queen Elizabeth's statement. Um, do you, did you read it? Yeah. Um, apparently it's only 64 words. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I know. I felt like she really could have done better. She just basically said, you know, that they're sort of, they're saddened to learn the full extent of Megan and Harry's experience, which, you know, there could be a couple bits where Queen Elizabeth wasn't aware of, but I think, She's the grandmother and she's, you know, she's in everyone's business. He's the prince. Like she should know what's going on with Perry and Megan, I think, especially because they're such like a important part of, uh, of the monarchy and culture now. And, uh, and they said that, you know, well, recollections may vary. And it's like, gaslight me further, please. I know. That was actually a gaslighting thing. Like, just, you know, validate their experiences on, you know, it should have just been a firm stand against the racism. And They didn't even use the word racism. They said, like, the allegations of race or something. And it's like, what do you mean? That's just a thing. Like, huh? You mean racism? Megan did suddenly start being black after she got married. Yeah, I know. I, I, I was disappointed by that because, you know, I, I feel like we've, I don't think, I think Queen Elizabeth has made mistakes in the past for sure, like everyone, but I was, I was looking up for her to, you know, do the right thing. And I mean, I think it was already too late. She already didn't do the right thing by kind of facilitating the Megan Harry exit, you know? Yeah. And then more about William's response. So I know we talked about it a little bit already, but there's also this video he was doing, he was like doing like a charity thing. And I feel really bad that whatever work he was doing definitely got overshadowed by like the five words he said, but sky news was there and someone yelled, is the Royal family a racist family? And Prince William responded, we are very much not a racist family. Yeah. Which I almost feel like was better than the 64 words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he's just trying to save face at this point. And, you know, I, I think what's most important than, more important than the public responses for now, I, I think that they should address it publicly, the royal family. But, you know, just trying to salvage this relationship with Harry and Meghan. It didn't have to be like this. I don't think. They were such assets to the monarchy. Like 
They made billions of dollars off those two people. And they were doing so much. They were doing so much good work around the Commonwealth. And I think they really enjoyed doing that work. Um, it's just sort of the pressures with the firm, which I, I never heard that term, the firm. Have you heard that before? The yeah. firm. Like imagine just like getting like a little note from your private secretary where like, you have a meeting with the firm. And, I'm, and it's like, oh God, the firm, like now. All of them? Now? I can't go out with my friends tonight. I can't go out to Soho in London. Yeah. No Annabelle's? <laughs> no Soho house? <laughs> um, anyway, do we feel like, I feel like there's been so much happening to the monarchy in the last 25 years that, do you think that this could be the beginning of the end for it? Do you think that someday, 60 years from now, we'll be like, damn, remember when we, when we just had no idea and now it's over? Because it's not like England hasn't been a republic once before. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to go soon, but I think I, I, I like I think maybe in like 10 years there could be a possibility because especially with our generation, like they're the monarchy is not as popular. Yeah, and the Barbados already said that the queen's not going to be the head of country anymore or the head of state. They said Barbadian head of state for Barbados. Yeah. And I think Australia did that too. I don't know. I think the queen is sort of running out of steam in terms of how the monarchy can endure. And I don't know if it's going to go on much longer. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you can go after Elizabeth, <laughs> what it'll be like, you know? Right. Right. And I'm and also, just, I can't believe Charles doesn't answer Harry's calls. The only person in this whole family that any of us really like is Harry. And you're telling me that the future king's not answering his calls after all this boy's been through? I know. And that's another reason why I feel like the monarchy is on an edge of crashing down is because people don't really like Charles. I mean, there are some royalist loyalists who still love Charles just because he's royal, but... He's just not, he's not as popular he, because <laughs> of what he did to Diana and now what he's And now done. we're all watching it play out on TV. Yeah. Right as the new, like the Charles age is going to air like in real life. But yeah, so I've never for the, for like the first time in my whole life, I'm like, we don't need a monarchy. Don't I need feel it. That. And especially bouncing off of what Meghan McCain said, which we didn't talk about, but I thought it was so funny that she tried to connect Oprah Winfrey and Meghan Markle talking to the founding fathers. <laughs> well, she was like, this interview has the potential to end the monarchy. And you know what? I'm all for that in the monarchy. Our founding fathers did that. and <laughs> It's just like, well, yeah, they also like, orchestrated like a genocide of a people and building the country off of slaves. And she's like, yeah, go to Mount Vernon and like feel the energy of the spirit. And it's like, uh, okay. yeah. so what do we think about Megan and Harry's future? I mean, I, like I said in the beginning, I, I feel like my perspective has changed. And at first, you know, from 
just the outside looking in, it kind of did look like they were kind of making a quick escape from the Royals to kind of jumpstart their career in Hollywood. But now it's like, okay, well, they're doing it to spotlight really important causes, to spotlight their work they're doing with charity and have important conversations. And I'm like, you know what? Sure. They're a good looking couple. They're well-spoken. They seem really passionate and genuine and they seem like the most like genuine royals that we've had in a while you know i also think it's really funny that uh when they showed harry and megan in like their sanctuary at the chicken coop someone also spotlighted that diana had on like forty seven hundred dollar earrings it was oh. like living authentically <laughs> in five thousand dollar earrings I was like, <laughs> yes she is okay she is i know i want to go to montecito and in Santa Barbara and see them. And also that yogurt shop that Megan worked at Humphrey yogurt that is in the Valley. And I'm actually going to the Valley tonight and I'm like, please go, please like go. go. Get, get us content for the Instagram. Okay. <laughs> content for TikTok. Yes. Wait, that's actually a good TikTok idea. Well, you know, on Heather McDonald's podcast, juicy scoop, they like, we're talking um, about how like, Oh, Joan, I have my dog here, by the way, guys, if you hear any. Um, but Megan, I think in the interview said that she was like only 13 or something. I'm not sure if that's true, but um, I mean, it's possible. People have worked places when they're 13, but. Yeah, I thought that the working <laughs> age was 14, but what do I know? Also, what I want from Harry and Meghan is for them to bring Archwell Audio back because I'm looking at their thing and they've only had one episode and it came out December 29th, 2020. It's March. Oh, really? It's March something. It's March 12th. And mm. there's no new episode for 2021 of this damn podcast that Spotify paid like $200 million <laughs> for. Yeah, we need more of that. And I hope they make an appearance to the Met Ball. You know they're invited. That'd be so amazing. <laughs> Yeah, when the Met Ball is a thing. Well, guys, I think this is all we really have to say about the Harry and Meghan interview until there's, you know, more clips. Uh, Oprah said that they sat down for three and a half hours and they edited it down to an hour 30. So I think she's just going to be rolling out more clips as time goes on. And if this is something you guys like, we would love to cover that again for you as well. Yeah, it's kind of fun to do like kind of fatal fortunes about stuff that, doesn't involve people dying. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you guys so much. And be sure to check us out wherever you're listening. Spotify, Apple, YouTube. You can see us on YouTube with your own eyes. Um, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. Yes. And, and please uh, give us a follow or a rating so we can get the podcast out to even more people. As of last night, we have a new listener in Ireland. Ooh, so hello. we're up to uh, 18 countries now. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> See ya. See ya. Bye. Cool.